classified, classified material next to your Corvette. What were you thinking? Let me, uh, look, I'm going to get a chance to speak on all this, God willing, soon. But as I said earlier this week, people, and by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage. Okay, so it's not like you're sitting out in the street. So the but anyway, in yes, as well as my Corvette. Um, but as I said earlier this week, people know I take classified documents and classified materials seriously. <laughs> I don't think we know that. Computer cycles will lose part of the system for a while. There's a finite amount of memory. You can't use it for everything. We're gonna compile for half an hour. Go ahead, all of you. I'm approaching the Tyrannosaur paddock. Welcome to the Sports Antidote, episode number 134 of the No Sweat Bet. Oh yeah, I'm your host, Danny Belts. We have a good one coming for you today. Just talk to this man right here. Sing it, Kenny! Kenny Loggins, again, makes his staple and his mark on this great show. One of the greatest musicians the world has ever seen on the greatest soundtrack of all times in the original Top Gun, everybody knows this. Even Bro Exotic knows it. I want to touch on UGATCU. I got to set the record straight. Because, of course, people put words in my mouth and they cuck me, and it's terrible. The NFL playoffs are coming up on us. I do want to touch base on the Biden Corvette classified documents incident. I'm just going to make a just an observation there. Tommy Bench is out, so he cannot do that this week. He is taking care of some things. The drunk neighbor, however, is in. To recap on a couple things, particularly the destroying of Purdue in the bowl game there with LSU. Bro Exotic is coming in here, and he is now speculating on the NFL with the woke equation. I mean, what could go wrong there, right? Also, want to discuss... Well, you know what? We'll just get to that when we get to that, right? Let's just... We'll just... <laughs> we'll just cross that bridge when we see the water. Be sure and rate... Subscribe and review. Follow us on the sports on the sports antelope on Instagram at the sports antelope. Reach out and touch a brother and tell somebody about the sports antelope today. 82, 68, and one. A good week last week. We got hot again, 1-4. And I had TCU in the first half versus UGA. And for a couple seconds there, they were covering. They were covering before the game started. And then they were covering promptly after it was 10 to 7. And then it would turn into just an absolute disaster. And we will be discussing that. Among some other things I didn't mention in the beginning, I'll just pepper, in, pepper those in where I feel or deem necessary. Today, like I said, bench is out. But we do have the drunk neighbor and bro exotic. So you're not just stuck with me. Is that all right for you, pal? You cool with that? Let's recap last week. So, I don't even know where to begin here. Let's start with the Atlanta Falcons. I took a lot of flack for this one, uh, being as where the Falcons haven't beat or necessarily even covered a football game yet since Brady has been in Tampa against Tampa. They are 0-4, record straight up and against the spread. But this one was going to be a little different because the Falcons are still trying to eke out any win they can. And they would go down early here, but make it very clear they wanted to win this game. And Tampa Bay, once they went down by six, they pretty much just said, you can have it, which is what I thought would happen. So a pretty easy cover for us there on the week when everybody loses their ass 
So the Falcons cover that. Let's take the Lions here. So this is probably one of the biggest FU lines of the season. You know, the Lions have already beaten the Packers once. That was a weird game. But, of course, now on primetime television, it's a win-you're-in situation. And even with the Lions knowing that they cannot advance in the playoffs, they still pretty much dominate this football game and did everything they could to keep the Packers out of the playoffs, and they succeeded. So the four-and-a-half was kind of a formality. I figured that would get bet up to five-and-a-half, but five and five-and-a-half just rarely, rarely. Nine, and nine will play more than five. Five is it never plays, so... It, it's not like you were going to get some better line like six. But either way, it was relatively easy for the Lions, keeping the Packers out of the end zone. The Packers stopped running their offense and kept bringing that kicker on the field. These are two things I've talked about extensively. If you want to win, you should keep the kicker off the GD field and run the offense. But the Packers don't have much of an offense, really. So that whole thing was a facade. We'll take the win there. The Texans plus two and a half. This was, a, this was incredible. So everyone's over here talking about how nobody wants to win because of the draft picks and all that. Well, Lovey Smith, with the biggest FU imaginable, goes down by seven late in the game, score a touchdown, and he holds up the magic two fingers that go for the win, <laughs> only to destroy them getting the first round pick. But it proves once again that all these conspiracy theories on teams trying to lose for draft picks or that they don't care further proves that that is not true as I swept aboard in the NFL. And then we go to San Diego State, um, San Diego State, South Dakota State. That was just a, that was a destroy. That was bad. The public loads up big time like we thought. The line going the other way. Look, everyone's betting North Dakota. The line's going away from them. That's a huge red flag. Uh, it closed at almost six. It didn't matter. South Dakota State did not punt until the fourth quarter. And it was pretty apparent who the best team in the FCS ranks were, and it would be the Jackrabbits. So congratulations to them. And, of course, Texas Christian, plus 7.5 in the first half. This really did not go <laughs> much as planned. Um, I think if you played that game 20 times, I think they probably lose all 20. I said last week if TCU played Michigan 10 times, they'll probably lose 8. I think I'm still correct there. But I do want to talk about this game since we're on the subject matter. So we'll just go ahead and turn down the T.I. Whatever you like. That's a great jam, by the way. I, I don't think anyone doesn't like T.I., by the way. And I enjoy him in his movies as well. What a great guy. So th there was I got involved in a lot of texting strings during the TCU game to the extent of which I had to actually just block people's number because I can't get out of these text strings I don't want to see it. Uh, it. I'm on one with my two brothers and some close friends. I, that this is this is not one that I would ever do that. But there's two other ones that I just need to get out of. I cannot believe Apple just can't find a way for me to stay out of a chat if I want to. But you know this did a lot of bad. And let let me explain to you what, what's happening here. So all the people that got down my throat, and there was a lot. Now the drunk neighbor did not do this. The drunk neighbor handles things a lot more professionally than most because he's a young professional. That he is. But he did not think that TCU could beat Michigan, and I totally understand that. Like, that is a good yes, and he had a good explanation why, and I agree with him. Michigan's offensive line is the best in the country. Uh, they have two tackles that are going probably in the first round, whatever. So the thing is, but I was, my, my logic here was I think TCU can win. Here's why I'm taking them 18-1, to 1, because I think Ohio State can beat Georgia. And let's be honest, they should have, Okay. So that kid makes that kick nine out of 10 times. He'll be kicking on Sunday next year. Missed the biggest kick of his life. So really, when you look at it, Georgia was lucky to be in the championship game. TCU was not. 
TCU was not fortunate at all to be in the game. They deserved to be there. Georgia, it came down to a kid missing a kick. Look, they destroyed TCU. I'm not taking anything away from Kirby Smart in that program, but that really screwed everything up because now we can't hedge TCU to a minus 500, lose 80 cents to the dollar. I put an article, not an article, but on Instagram, I had a write-up on what we really can't do with this. I honestly thought that TCU was going to play Ohio State, like I said on this show, twice last week and once two weeks ago. That did not happen. But what this does is it gives all of the monkeys in the zoo uh, a ladder cage to clamor on because now they can double back and say, you see, you see, they shouldn't have been there. And it's just ridiculous. So, you know, After Michigan lost to TCU, a lot of people must have forgot they paid their phone bill because they couldn't text me back or call me back. And there were some certain people I called to be like, you like that? You like that? But you know, it didn't happen because people just can't take it when they're wrong. Robert, <laughs> but, but then they get to come back and double back on this whole thing and then triple down on the front end after the blowout, and it just shouldn't work like that. Look, let me be very clear about something right now. TCU was not fortunate to get into the playoffs, okay? Let me just help everybody out. You should never be in a championship game in the P5 and worrying if you lose this game, you're not going to go to the playoffs, all right? There'll be situations where this will occur. They're going to expand it, but we haven't seen it yet. My point is that you shouldn't be, nothing should be subtracted from a team for being there because TCU is in if they didn't have a conference championship. We can mostly agree, you know, you shouldn't be like Alabama 10 years ago where they didn't win their division, much less the conference, and they get a bye for losing to LSU in Tuscaloosa while LSU has to go play Georgia and beat them in the SC championship. And Alabama just can't wait for, you know, the honey badger to tear his ACL so they can laugh. Um, so I think they've, they're done away with that. And that's kind of why the BCS, that was the last straw for me. And I do like the BCS for the most part. But that there's no way that Alabama should have been in that game. Uh, but, but they were. And the thing here is that this has nothing to do with the selection committee. The only difficult, the only difficult decision the selection committee had is what they were going to do with Ohio State, okay? Because they got absolutely massacred by Michigan, but they did the right thing. Ohio State should have been the four, I believe TCU to three, then Michigan, then up to Georgia. I don't think there was any controversy here whatsoever. USC, they lost to Tulane. That was the big one. Other than that, this is very straightforward. So, you know, if you think TCU shouldn't have been there, you can do us all a favor. I need you to go to the YMCA. The pools will be opening in a month. I need you to make sure you update your membership so you can do this all throughout the summer in March Madness. I need you to jump off the high dive. You need to make sure there's water in there. Swim to the bottom. And I need you to smell the bottom of the pool. And then come in. Tell me how it smells. Make sure the water's in there. It smells like peppermint. Just trust me. But the, over, you know, the overreaction to this game from people I know is very disturbing. Because people are acting like I'm a TCU fan. I'm not. I hate TCU. But I just saw value in them, and I almost made this whole thing happen. Look, not me, but it almost happened. I thought Ohio State would play TCU. That should have happened. And if I'm getting TCU at 18 to 1, I can guarantee you that this line, they projected it at 7 and a half, 8. You know, I could have hedged that and made it tons. Big difference between minus 250 and minus 500. Right? I could hedge halfway, take half. Or you have to give away four-fifths to the dollar. I can't do that. So it didn't work out, but my plan looked pretty smart. But here's the thing. The minute the odds makers told me that if Michigan plays Ohio State on a neutral field, that Ohio State was a four and in some places four and a half point favorite, that told me all I need to know about Michigan. Because they just went to Columbus and hang half a hundred. Gave them the worst beating they've ever had in like 20 years on that field. And they're still an underdog to Ohio State on a neutral field. 
That is the odds makers telling you Michigan is not that good. And guess what? They weren't. So the real thing here shouldn't be look at TCU. It should be look at Michigan. You just lost to a team that lost by 100. <laughs> but then again, you know, what do I know? What, I, mean, what, I mean, I'm just the dumbest guy in the room, I guess, right? No, I'm not. So I'm only aggravated that I have to sit here and, and somehow defend Texas Christian. And then I realize, what are you doing? Stop. There's three guys in particular that, you know, I, I'm acquainted with that were just bled. They don't even know each other. And no one of them is not the drunk neighbor. He does not handle things like this. He just texts me, man, get the, I think he said, I forgot what he said, but it was a murder scene. And I laughed like, yeah, it is. But the drunk neighbor is also a very funny texter, if you didn't know. You know you're a funny guy when you can make me laugh in a text. And he continues to do that because he's just a funny dude. So, and, I, and he has a great bit, by the way. It's going to be great when he comes on here in a couple minutes. So, you know, we can just round it out real quick. College football did the right thing. They got it right. Well, what happened is you just saw, you know, a matchup that really was just out of this world. Ohio State plays TCU. It's a different game. I'm not saying TCU can beat them. All I'm saying is the 18-1 to 1 would look very valuable because I would be in a situation where I could get out of there and I can't lose. And I have the capital to fully hedge that. Fully. Didn't need it from anyone else. I have it, which is huge. And you want to, I'm not saying like I have money. I don't have any money. I'm just saying I was ready for this. And unfortunately, you know, the best you could get was when it was 10 to 7. I got some of it out. Some of it. I had a feeling that I was like, I got to do this now. It was minus 340. So I did be able to hedge live some of it, but really not a lot. But look, man, that's what's be- the beautiful thing about long shots. You don't have to bet a lot of money to win a lot of money. And the other side of it, when you take a favorite to get there, you can hedge the dog, which is also a very, you know, a very, it's a very palatable situation from a monetary standpoint, because now you're betting into the plus money. So you have to bet a lot less to win what you want. Everybody knows this, even bro exotic. So, um, and, and since I'm here, let me go on. People were comparing this to the Alabama Notre Dame blowout. Incorrect. Incorrect. Matter of fact, it's so incorrect, I won't let you around my kid because you're clearly a weirdo if you think that's the same thing. When Notre Dame played Alabama, Notre Dame was selected to go to the championship game as that's what happened at the time. And to Notre Dame's credit, before their season started, they had probably the hardest schedule ever on paper. USC was ranked top five. Michigan was top 10. Michigan State was top 10. They had eight opponents in the top 20, four in the top 15, three in the top 10, one in the top five. That's a very difficult schedule. It wasn't Notre Dame's fault that they all sucked, but they ran the table. They won the games they had to and got into a championship game with one of the most dangerous Alabama teams they've ever had. But this was different because people forget TCU beat Michigan to get in. This is insane that I'm having to remind people of this. Okay, I mean, it's almost like if you don't understand that, I can't let you around my kid because you probably think 300 drunk people on January 6th or 4th or whatever the hell it was a couple years ago almost had an insurre- insurrected the United States government with no automatic weapons, no explosives and no plan. Yeah, that's how that works. So if you believe in that, that was an insurrection. You probably believe in the Easter Bunny, the Tooth Fairy and Santa Claus. So how can I possibly take you seriously? I mean, it really is incredible. I'm surprised no one's brought up this generic elementary point. How do you plan on taking over the United States government with no plan, no automatic weapons, and no explosives? I think those three things would be essential in throwing out probably the most powerful government the world has ever seen. But let's not, let's not go down that road. A couple more house cleaning things. Benny Hanna, the minister of moral obligation, is obligated morally 
to go see the Hunger Games movie. Yes, he's going to take one for the team. This is a big deal. He is on our payroll now, subsidized just be, and he, we reimburse him for the tickets. Of course, he shows receipts, files the expense report with the sports antidote, etc. Then Tommy Bench approves it. You know how that works. But Benny Hanna has already said he wants to come on preemptively, but he needs to see a couple more previews. But for all intents and purposes, it looks horrible, as all of them were. They should have let me direct that movie. It should be rated R, and you should throw the Predator in that jungle. Now, how, how good did that movie just become? The Hunger Predator games, or the Hungry Predator games, whatever you want to call I don't care. But whenever you throw a Predator, the, the Predator alien thing, into the woods, into his element, it makes the movie better. But they won't do that. Catnip Everdeen, her wokeness herself, probably will have a Me Too hashtag for Bro Exotic on that movie. But I, we look forward to having Benny Hanna on soon to discuss preemptively the Hunger Games abomination that is coming your way uh, this spring, I believe. And one more thing. That clip I played in the beginning about Joe Biden, just if you think, look, if you think that the media all right, is fair in what they report, <laughs> just <laughs> forget what just happened at Mar-a-Lago and all this, as now we're finding out that this man had... <laughs> documents with his Corvette. Just imagine if the orange man was talking about his Corvette in a press conference. Put the, put the classified documents aside. Just that would spring a Twitter category five hurricane of outrage, the likes of which we've never seen. But yet we're not talking about that. This is, this is getting very difficult for me. And let me tell you something. I didn't vote for Biden. Don't want him to be president again, of course. But at least he, he is the president of the United States. And even though I don't like him, like I didn't like President Obama, but at least when he addressed the media, which he did almost more than Trump did, actually he did do it more than Trump did his first term. Biden's been in front of the media less than 30 times to answer questions. Whereas at this point, Obama had already been 250. Trump's like 235. It's just insane. The whole thing is, but let's just not forget, if the orange man was talking about his Corvette, you can stop it right there. The classified stuff means nothing. It would be a beatdown. And we don't really see that because things just aren't reported equally. And if you don't believe that, then again, get your YMCA card and or we're going to need you to uh, – I'm going to have to delete your number out of my phone because I just clearly can't let you around my kid because you're psycho. Uh, yeah, that's how that works. I want to take you back to November fifteenth, two 2004. We're going back – to Charleston, South Carolina, in the days of Danny Belts being a senior, strapping young lad. And I have told stories of people making huge bets before, one of which a basketball game that I went to with a friend of mine when the Citadel played the College of Charleston. He won by a half a point as we watched three meaningless shots all miss in five seconds. If any of those shots go in, he loses his ass and is going to have to relocate. And the other being the Mac game I watched with a buddy of mine that went to three overtimes and he was able to win. I have not talked about this one and for a very specific reason is why I call it the no sweat bet, right? FanDuel has the no sweat bet. Basically, you come on there, you bet up to $1,000 is your first transaction. And if you lose, they'll give you $1,000 in free play. Pretty good deal. Uh, Whenever an app comes up with that, I'm in. It's a $1,000 freebie. I think I can win one of the two, uh, even though I'm not betting now. It just makes sense. And, and also, speaking of betting, before I get into the story, for those of you that are betting right now in the NBA, the Detroit Pistons represent probably the biggest liability to the house that the NBA has seen in a long time. 
I was talking with my buddies out west that may or may not work in a book, and he just says that, I mean, people are pounding the Pistons overs. The last five have gone over by about 30 points on average. It's ridiculous. Last night it went over in the third quarter. That's, that's even more ridiculous. And two nights ago they played the Sixers, and it looks like it was finally going to catch up on them. 47 combined points scored in the first quarter, very low, to a 228 total. In the second quarter, they scored 61, but you're still looking pretty good until they scored 146 points in the second half, the Sixers and the Pistons. The Pistons can score. They can't stop anyone. Last night, it went over by th- – they played the Timberwolves. It went over 200, uh, 255, 260, and they're trying to figure out what to do with these Pistons games. And if you are betting right now, you should look into that because that is a trend. I don't think they can buck. I don't think they can start setting NBA totals at 245, 250. I just don't think you can do that. Um, but then again, why not? Because after what happened within the last couple of days, it just gives a huge opportunity to the public to really start to mop up, and they are. You're not late to the party, so go check that out on your own. But the Pistons games, yeah, they're going over a lot. Okay, back, back to the regularly scheduled program. So the setting here is a little unique in its own. So I had a friend of mine that was betting. There's a couple acts in Charleston at the time, nothing online, just old school. You call up a guy, he writes it down, and you write it down, and then someone's math is usually off, right? It's such a headache. And I, I knew one of the affiliations really well, I guess you could say. And the other one, you know, I, was, I knew who they were as well, and they were good dudes. And there was also a massive operation in Columbia, South Carolina. So that's the capital where South Carolina plays. It's only a couple hours, pretty much hour and a half, two hours, a little farther than Baton Rouge would be to New Orleans. You just hop on 26 West and bam, takes you right in. Well, you know, they had a very big operation out there. And I met these guys a couple years ago uh, in 2002, 2003, and there were three of them. Uh, and they ran a ridiculous, ridiculous operation. So one was the money guy. He was the guy that funded this whole thing. He did what a lot of people did back then, especially because the interest rates take out a massive loan. And basically just use that for everything other than what the loan is supposed to be. Now, you're still going to be on the hook for it. You pay it back, whatever. Do whatever you want with the money now. And they did. They started a book operation which paid for itself in about six months. I'm not making that up. It's unbelievable. And the other guy there was the math guy. So these guys really did not, did not at all, at all want to assume any liability on anything heavy. So most books will just, if you didn't know this, most bookies will hold on to nearly every bet unless they're ridiculously heavy on one side. The reason is the 10% VIG presents a very big edge that most people don't quite understand what that does. Even when you get into betting parlays, people still don't understand that parlays are a horrible bet because they don't pay the actual percentage of the mathematical probability if everything works out. I'll give you an example. A three-team parlay pays six to one. That's great odds, right? Okay, well, if these are indeed coin flips, let's say they are, flipping heads three times in a row, what's the odds of that? What do you think? It's 10 to 1. So you're getting paid 6 to 1 on something that has a 10 in 1 probability. It only gets worse the higher you go. A 14 parlay pays 10 to 1. What are the odds of doing this four times with a coin? 18 to 1. So really, <laughs> they love that, that end of it, but the, the 10% VIG is going to offset a lot of liability for them. And what that does is just widen that edge that the house will have over the course of time. They had a lot of money. They'd take almost any bet. Uh, the guy that they had able to do that, where they would take almost any bet, they would call almost everything off to a certain point. So this guy would literally find to the dollar amount what they needed to lay off so they were not held 
uh, in some sort of spot where they were actually gambling. This is very smart. If you have the money, the connections, and the time, you should do this because now it really does you are actually playing just for the 10% when you cannot lose now. And they would, I think, I forgot the threshold, but they would call everything and anything off if they could. And like I said, they had the means, the time, and everything else you need to do this because this was their full-time job. I met both those guys once after a Gamecock game, and then I met them again at a baseball game when LSU would play South Carolina over in the Sarge. I think LSU was two, South Carolina was one. Crazy, crazy series. But they had a third guy, (laughs) and he's the guy that you think yeah, he's the guy that goes and gets the money. He's the guy you don't want to see. He's the guy that if you're down, he's going to find a way to get it. These guys were not totally outside of, of violence, uh, definitely threats, but they, uh, some examples of which I heard. Uh, this guy was also, he's about my size, about 5'8", five, 5'7", five, you know, buck 80. Uh, nothing really much to look at, which makes it even more scary. If you see a bodyguard that's really small, you can almost bet your ass that that's probably the most dangerous one in the group, and he certainly was. He was a wrestler from Iowa, uh, could have wrestled, not at Iowa, but uh, could have wrestled anywhere he wanted, just didn't want to wrestle, so he had that behind him. Uh, and also, or nearly any, I don't think he could have wrestled in the Big Ten, but let's put it this way, he was like state champion two years in a row or something in Iowa, I saw it. And also, um, he, was, he was insane. So he had that going for him, which, which is nice. So needless to say, they like to keep everything close. They wouldn't really take their act outside of Columbia for a lot of reasons. And keep that in mind because this is going to be important for what I'm going to tell you right now. So one day this guy that I know had taken a – I didn't know who, but he had taken these guys for about ten grand in the course of five weeks. This man is a genius. Uh, He went to Charleston Southern, which is right outside of Charleston. I met him in a flag football game. We became friends. He's a good dude. He's basically a quant if you want to get down to it. Uh, Very mathematically inclined. Very smart. And he had found some system that he thought was working, and it was. And like most systems, they work until they don't. And when they don't work, it usually isn't going to be to the capacity of you gave half of it back or what you won back. It's going to be like 100% more of what you won. So now you're going to give them their money back, and you're going to owe them. Let's say you're up 10000 you go down twenty, right? That's kind of how that works. And then you're going to give them the money they gave you as well as the money that you now owe them on top of that. So we saw a lot of that, and especially out here, kids with a ton of money at the College of Charleston just getting completely crazy, high on coke. And just betting money they didn't have. That was a very frequent thing. Charleston was, a, I don't know why, one of the thickest betting cities I've ever lived in. I've lived in 11 like pretty notable cities. This would be the one where betting was absolutely the highest. Even higher than New Orleans uh, from what, I have, what I've seen. But So in this case, he would go down uh, a lot in a week. And then the week ended on Monday night. So most books will end on Sunday night. If you're using some sort of software that resets that day, that's why they do that. Well, the old school guys would end the week on Monday Night Football. And of course, like I talked about last week, it wasn't if you were watching it, it's where you're watching it and not if you were betting it, but how much you're betting on it, no matter who's playing. And he had told me he was down a lot and I knew he had won earlier. And then he said he was going to make a play on the Eagles-Cowboys game, November 15th, 2004, but he didn't know what he was going to do yet and try to get back to even. I didn't really think much of it. And then... He was at my apartment an hour before the game started with a couple other guys. One of the dudes wanders in my apartment, hammered. And this guy, this guy at the time, the guy, that I'm, the guy that's down, is thinking about taking the Cowboys, getting 10 and a half points. The Cowboys were horrible that year. They had just basically had Quincy Carter for two years at quarterback. Now they had Vinny Testaverde, who was burning a year. Uh, the Tuna was still their coach, and it was not a good look. This is when the Philadelphia Eagles would lose their first two games and then nearly win out. 
Los, they lost their first two games and then went 13-3. and McNabb was hurt. Detmer was the quarterback in the beginning. McNabb came back, and the Eagles were easily the best team in the NFL that year. Their defense was number one. Offense was number three. Remember, they had just gotten Terrell Owens, and McNabb, as much as I don't like him and do not think he was really any near good as what people think, he found Owens often and early and all the time that season as those numbers were just absurd, as you know, propelling the Eagles into the Super Bowl to lose by three, but at least they covered. They backdoored the Patriots. And then it would be a long time before they would return. And then, you know, they went to the Super Bowl a couple years ago and they won. But uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, a a dangerous team, and they had won like nine games in a row. Their margin of victory was huge. They could score 40 points and hold you to three because their defense was just that good. Lito Shepard, Dawkins, this very, um, just very dangerous and, and, and just unbelievable secondary that they had in Philadelphia, particularly with Dawkins in his prime and two shutdown corners hard-hitting safeties, and this is back when you could still play tackle football. The Eagles were a load, uh, to say the least. And I was kind of confused as why he was going to put this much money on the Cowboys. Then it occurred to me that the people local wouldn't even really take this big a bet anyway, and that's when I found out he was using the guys in Columbia, which I thought was funny because they don't take bets outside of Columbia. And then he told me one of the guys that moved to Charleston. Oh, well, (laughs) the plot thickens. Now, doesn't it? I asked who, and it was the crazy guy. So this is just great. And I was like, do you have any idea? What, he's like, yeah, I know who they are. Do you have any idea who that? Yeah, I know who he is. Okay, I'm just saying. They all can't be lying. <laughs> he's got to get his money if you lose. And he was totally fine with this. This drunk guy walks in my apartment. I don't even know who he was. Starts, he's friends with the neighbor down the hall. Starts talking about lock of the millennium. So initially, I'm already thinking about listening to this guy and then, of course, fading him. And he says the game's going over in the first half. I'm taking the over. You should too. Didn't even say his name, then walked out. And prophetically, the guy that I was with said, I'm taking the over. I was like, well, I mean, you were head, hell-bent on the, the Cowboys. It doesn't make much sense to take them here. So typically in the NFL, that's a good move. And he goes, no, I'm taking the over. Fuck it. I was like, all right. Come to find out he had made a bet with the Columbia people. And it was so big that they wanted to see a picture. This is right when pictures came out on phones, like 2003. You know, you couldn't really see them. The pixel, it was terrible. The, the, the quality of the pictures... They wanted his license on top of the cash to show that he had that money, and he didn't. So he said, I have half of it. I'm traveling. I have the other half in the bank. You know, I'm good for it. Sent him a picture of a ton of money with his license on the money, and they accepted a wager, the largest one I have ever seen in my life to this day in person of $24,000. He wasn't just trying to get even. He was trying to get back into the black. This is a horrible idea. This is a really horrible idea. (laughs) And this does never, ever works out the way it's supposed to. And they took that bet. If you take a $24,000 bet, I'm going to be conservative here and say you have to have a minimum of a half a million dollars. And even that is, it has to be more than that. If you're going to assume the liability of a $25,000 bet, you pretty much need a million dollars if you're going to do this the right way. And with the guy they had running the numbers behind the scene, uh, hedging stuff off, it, it didn't occur to me that he was the type of guy that would, you see, first let's start off, he was a Hebrew. Can I say that? He was Hebrew. So he really knows what he's doing when it comes to these monies. But more importantly, I told that to Pat McAfee on his show one day and he left. I got in one time, two, two weeks, two, two hours on hold 
to tell to get on his Palomalu story, and he was laughing. I was like, my friend was a Hebrew, and he started laughing. <laughs> this is a whole other situation, but totally worth it to stay on hold. I've talked to El Prez twice. Uh, Big Cat once, he was on one of those calls. I got hung up on by the El Presidente. <laughs> all you got to do is wait on hold. Anybody can get on. And McAfee, all because uh, I had XM Radio for the company I was working for at the time. Fun times. Anyway, so this, this was a real thing. And I had to think they probably had that much money if you're going to take a bet this size. And a half hour before kickoff, I'm sitting here thinking, man, I'm going to watch this guy lose. This is going to be terrible. I don't really know him that well, but you know, he's a cool dude. He's over here. We'll watch the game. These two guys that were with us decided they didn't want to be here for this. And then about 10 minutes before kick, he gets the bet, uh, you know, settled. It's in and everything. And he goes, man, if this gets ugly, let's just go get some pizza. I'm like, yeah, let's do that. First quarter was not what you want to see. The over-under was 48 and a half. That's very high for back then. And very high for a team with a number one defense. And Dallas still had a pretty good defense. And it just, you know, you're contrarian to take the over there, which is good. But this just did not start off well. Seven nothing at the end of one, not looking good. He said, "Look, man, I I can't watch this. Let's just go get a pizza, bring it back here and eat it. Maybe stop at this bar on the way back that did not have a television. There was one bar that wasn't far from where I live that didn't have TVs. The owner hated sports, so you know if you didn't want to watch a game, this is where you went. And and that's good. It's better to have no TV than like two crappy TVs. You either are, or you aren't, and they weren't, so they didn't. And I appreciate that. So what happened is we go order this pizza, we go and pick it up." And then we end up getting the pizza, walking back. The game's going. We have no idea what's going on. We don't want to know. That's why he wanted to go to a bar when no one cared about sports. And we saw a couple guys in there that we knew, so we took the pizza into the bar. And a couple guys shared it with us. We were eating, didn't mention sports, didn't talk about it. Figured the game was going to be around halftime. We would just walk in and see what the score is. So we walk in there, and we see that Brian Westbrook, Brian Westbrook, has just scored a touchdown. Now, we can't see the score yet, but we're like, well, that's good. I mean, at least there's 14 points in this game. Then they show the score, and we both look at the television and sit down, look at each other, and start laughing. (laughs) You want to know why we were laughing? After we left, we did not watch the highest scoring quarter in the history of Monday Night Football. The Eagles scored 28 points in the second. The Cowboys scored 14. And for those of you that have an abacus or are good in math, if you take 42 points and add it to the touchdown in the first quarter, you get what? 49. The drunk idiot that came into my apartment talking about the lock of the year, saying that a 48 and a half point over would be done before the third quarter was 100% correct. The no sweat bet. No sweat. <laughs> he won. And we did not have to sweat. He did not have to sweat the biggest bet today that I've still seen made in person. And I'm glad for a lot of reasons because it just takes too much out of you when you have that much money on a game and you know you can't pay the other half and you know that these guys are dangerous. But he didn't have to worry about that because he hit the no sweat bet of the century. A 42-point second quarter. Go look it up if you want. Go look at it. There were six possessions, six touchdowns. It just does not get any more ridiculous than that, now does it? And you're probably saying, Bells, what's, what's the point of this no sweat bet? I, I don't get it. Oh, well, you know what? I'm glad you asked. You know, there really is no such thing as a no sweat bet. And we have talked about this on this show a few games. You know, Georgia, Hawaii was one where that, that there's just no way 
that the, the Colt Brandon rest his soul, that that, that offense was going to come over here uh, and move the ball on, on Georgia. That's just not going to happen. Stafford played horrible, and they still blew him out. And there's a couple other ones you can, you can sneak in there. I, when Texas-San Antonio played Sacramento State this year, and I had it as a play of the year, over 74, and it went over 120 in regulation, I kind of knew going in, I'm almost as confident here as I am in Georgia minus seven versus Hawaii in 2008-2009. And the reason is I just was like, this is so egregiously wrong that you, there's nothing you, you have to put. The, I honestly thought it was going to be 85 or 90. And when they put it in the 70s, I was like, what do you, what do you think is going to happen here? I mean, what are you, what are you kidding me? Uh, that's almost as, as crazy as the one earlier where you know we talked about it on here. FanDuel put up Valparaiso going to New Mexico State. I was like, what are you talking about? This is going to be a, a massacre, and it was. There was a basketball game years ago where the, the Charlotte Bobcats were still the Bobcats or the Hornets. I forgot. But they went to Golden State when Golden State had that crazy home run where they won like X amount of home games in a row. And they got all they wanted this game with the Bobcats or the Hornets or whatever. Triple overtime and the Golden State Warriors snuck away and won. The next night, they had to turn around. They had to go to Atlanta, who was the two seed in the East at the time, laying 11 and a half. And that game was over in the first quarter, 52 to 17. It just got out of hand. It was over. So you can run into these games every now and again where you just you kind of know. I mean, they're rare as unicorns nearly. But you see one and you're like, man, what, how can I lose this? But even more so, like, how... What am I missing here to the point where you realize you're just not, you're not missing it. You really cannot lose this one. And then when I have that mentality, it's always scary, right? Uh, but, you know, typically I'm going to be right now. I'm talking about the extremes here, not the normal plays of the year, whatever. I mean, UConn should have lost outright to UMass. They somehow covered. It was a miracle. But on that big play of the year there. But when you look at these no sweats in the, in the fashion in which I'm talking about it now, you really just don't see that many. And, I, you know, I'm not saying I'm looking at one coming up here, but I'm not saying I'm not. And I need to rid myself of any potential bias, which I am able to do, and, and just look at this for what it actually is. So here we have a situation that we see every now and again, where a team with a better record in the NFL playoffs, a team with a superior record to a certain team, is going there because the NFL rules are, if you win the division, you are guaranteed a home playoff game. Right? We saw this with the Bucks two years ago, they had to go play the Redskins, the Redskins, and Tyler Heineke was the guy, got a contract extension, he kind of gave him hell, losing record, the Saints had to go to Seattle years ago and all this, and now we see that the Cowboys are going to play Tampa, and it really couldn't be a better setup as far as I'm concerned when it comes to the no sweat bet. Now, the reason I say no sweat isn't because you're going to not sweat this game. But it's more or less the one where if you're going to bet this, you shouldn't sweat. You should do it. The reason why is because this makes all the sense in the world without not making any sense at all. This is a rare thing. Normally when something's so obvious, there's a reason why. Normally when something is so well hidden, there's a reason why. I feel this one is right out there in the open. It couldn't have been better for Dallas to get mauled by the Redskins the last game of the year. You know, 24 to 6 or whatever it was. Ron Rivera, Riverboat Ron, not sure who gave him that nickname. Riverboat Ron in a press conference two weeks before that. Didn't even know they were eliminated from the playoffs. Go watch that. I thought only Rex Ryan pulled that stunt with the Jets. Then they end up in the AFC Championship somehow. Uh, Ron Rivera is the worst coach in the NFL, period. Period. What about Lovey Smith? I don't think he's there anymore. So he's the worst. He's horrible. He's woke. He's so stupid, so ridiculous, throwing the vaccine mandates down people's throat. How do you feel now, Ron, that the CDC now agrees with people like us? 
Doesn't stop the spread. Ron, riverboat Ron. How about peg me in the ass, Ron? That sounds a lot better. And by the way, take a shower. Why is your face and your head always gleaming? It's disgusting. Have some self-respect. Idiot. All right. So in this game, we see Dallas, you know, going to play the Bucks. Tampa Bay winning this division on a false pretense. They should have lost to the Saints twice, especially the last time. Or the stupid team in New Orleans, excuse me, the stupid team in New Orleans. And they've escaped with winning other games, but they have not beat a good team in a long time. And they even lost a lot of games they were probably supposed to win. Tampa is not good at all. The Seahawks team that played the Saints that year is better than this Tampa Bay team. And for a lot of reasons. And the one thing I still can't get over is people making the excuses for Brady right now because the offensive line being banged up. And I'm like, dude, you have Mike Evans. Julio Jones is your third receiver. You have Godwin Evans and Julio Jones is your third option. Don't tell me you don't have any talent. At one point, Andy Dalton was throwing to like, did we pick up Tim Dwight for a couple games or something? Is he 59? Like, I mean, it was just ridiculous who he was throwing to. So he still has his... His weapons, yeah, Fournette. Don't don't try to paint this picture. Don't straw man me in an alliterative fashion. I'll mash that in half. They have the players. Simply put, Brady's just not that good right now, and nobody wants to talk about that. And yeah, he hit Mike Evans finally for some deep balls that he's been overthrowing and underthrowing all year. I like Tom Brady. I'm not knocking him here. I just hate Tampa, but clearly he's a shell of what he was. And you're walking into a team that is not only one of the – they're one of the best teams in the NFL. Dallas, when they have to be good – is dominant. Dallas has held three teams to under seven points this year. They blasted seven teams, blasted seven teams. And two of these were 45, 30, 40 to 35 point victory. I mean, these went into Minnesota and just blasted them. These guys are better on the road than they are at home anyway. And it couldn't be a better spot for Dallas to go play uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And what I'm meaning by no sweat isn't you're not going to have to sweat this bet or that FanDuel will give you your money back. I'm basically just telling you, this is a bet you should make every single time. And there's a reason why I rated. We'll get to that. You're not going to really have to sweat this for a lot of reasons. And the thing I'm, I'm telling you is there is almost no way, zero way, that the Dallas Cowboys can go to Tampa and get blasted. Now, of course, that being said, they'll lose by 50. But the way this team is built and how much I've watched them, them not even caring about the last game of the season, nor did Tampa. And for some reason, the bias of the Bucks is back in play here. And today, today, that line went from three to two and a half. And that is all I need to know. Because for the first time ever, I don't have to sweat this. Big reason why. You have value in Dallas for once. You've only had value in Ohio State once your whole life. It was, a, it was last week, and they should have won. Here's a team that gets bet overly, like Ohio State, like Alabama, like USC, Texas, and Notre Dame in the college ranks, Pittsburgh Steelers, Green Bay Packers, the Dallas Cowboys, in no order, will assume tons of action for a lot of reasons. And now you're getting the other side of this. Because for some reason, we've shifted to the thought that Tampa is the real deal. You hear people say stuff like, I wouldn't want to play Tampa. There is a Congo line of teams that would suck a penis to play Tampa. Kidding me? Don't tell me my business. And don't tell me that this Tampa team is going to stack up here. And even with the crazy officiating to come, (laughs) something tells me you will not have to worry about this much. I don't know. The no sweat being you should make the bet without sweating. We'll always have to sweat the conclusion. Let's get back to that one in one second. 
Trevor Lawrence, the first lesbian quarterback in the history of the NFL, has really turned things around. The last game they lost was in Minnesota. They ain't lost in a while. Winning down the stretch in games that they should have won. And then the finale in a game they should have lost. I see Grable starting Dobbs at quarterback. I don't even know that guy was alive anymore. I was so busy cursing him out as he screwed my future bet in Tennessee when I was still living in Metairie, Louisiana. But it wasn't Dobbs' fault. He actually played a pretty good game. They couldn't protect him, and that's what killed him in the end. And the Jacksonville Jaguars force a fumble for six points, a game they should not have won, and they covered as well. That's unbelievable. Whenever you see a team down the stretch winning games, they're just not supposed to for whatever reason you want. It reminds me of the New Orleans Saints late playing the Redskins. The year they won the Super Bowl, Breeze throws a pick before half, and the guy's running the end zone, and Robert Beecham, a receiver, rips it out of his hands and goes and scores a touchdown for the Saints. When stuff like that happens, it just usually is online with this team somehow figures things out in wares, in areas and places that they should not. Jacksonville opened up as a one-and-a-half-point favorite, which I found to be pretty interesting. The Chargers clearly have the better quarter. Make no mistake, Herbert is better than Lawrence. I don't even want to hear that shit. But at the same time, though, what team is better? I'm not really sure. Jacksonville's winning when you want to win, and Jacksonville is winning in fashions that you'd like to do going into the playoffs. The Jacksonville Jaguars have the luxury of not having to go to Trevor Lawrence, who looks incredible right now, by the way. And I'm serious. I'm not being sarcastic at all. He's, look, he's looking the part now. He is. And to hand him the ball and say, Trevor, you have to go win this for us. They don't have to do that. And that is a great thing. It's a great thing for a ton of reasons. Eventually, you're going to want to do that with Trevor Lawrence, if he is the Messiah that I was promised that he was. But for now, he doesn't have to be. And that is huge if you're going to bet Jacksonville, because the exact opposite is happening for the Chargers. They have to hand Justin Herbert that ball and say, Justin, Figure this out. We can't win without you, even though they have the better quarterback. I do feel the Jacksonville Jaguars have the better defense for sure, better special teams, and probably a better game plan because the coaching is a severe advantage over here, in my opinion. The line goes from one and a half to two and a half. That does a lot. Whenever you see that, you may not think anything of it, but the, the book, the house, has to be very mindful of teasers. When you have a one and a half point to a one point favorite, if it's one and a half, you can throw the six point teaser on for a seven and a half point line for the dog. Don't think this doesn't matter. It does matter as teasers are the second the most popular play behind what? Parlays. So at this point, two and a half means a lot. I get what I'm seeing. We put it on the, Insta the Instagram page at one and a half. So just like we got a crap line with Tulane, we're keeping the one and a half. Now it's two and a half. I do not think this will get to three. You should probably wait. It won't get below two and a half. I have the one and a half. I don't think it's gonna matter. On the record, I like Jacksonville to win this game. Give me the one and a half. You should probably get the better line if you can, of course. We always advocate that, but we will be true on this show. It's sticking to a bad line, and we have to agree. Normally, we don't do that. I don't always win, right? Of course not. But we'll be over 53, 53.1% this year again after an 0-8 start. That is incredible. 53% is where a professional goes outside of the 3% edge. I'm not saying I'm professional at all, but clearly I know what I'm doing in this seat right now. All right? And I have a situation I'm going to explain to you, if not today, next week. But there's one that hit me, and I'm going to talk about that. We like Jacksonville for a lot of reasons here. Again, they don't have to hand the ball to Trevor Lawrence and say, go win it for us. But if they have to, he most certainly can. And for that reason, like I said on the record, give me Jacksonville plus the one and a half. New York Giants. The New York Giants travel to Minnesota. Minnesota is the worst two seed I've ever seen in my life. Next to when the Saints played the Bears in the NFC Championship in Breeze's first year in 2006. The 10-6 New Orleans Saints garnered the two-seed in the NFC. That is ridiculous. 
Minnesota has been in so many games they should have lost, but they've won. And much like the Atlanta Falcons did one year, that does show you're a good team when you keep winning. Now, winning in a dominant fashion, the Vikings do not. As a matter of fact, they've been embarrassed several times in Minnesota. The Vikings are better outside of that building, much like the Cowboys, than they are inside their own home. There's a lot of things that are red flags about this game to me. The Giants played the Vikings only three or four weeks ago. The Giants lost the game at the end. There was a 28-point fourth quarter. It was a circus. We had the over and got lucky. But Daniel Jones, again, they can hand him the ball and say, Daniel, you don't have to win it for us. But in this case, he did. and they, He got them the touchdown they needed. He can run. He had a big game here, 40 yards rushing on four carries, three of which moved the chains. He threw for 330 yards on 30 for 42, two touchdowns. The Vikings secondary is horrible. In this particular instance, we are in a great spot for the Giants getting the three points on the road because, again, they can hand Jones the ball and say, Daniel, you don't have to win it for us, but he's proved that he can do that in this building if he has to, and the Giants are better than the Vikings everywhere else. We know that Kirk Cousins can win games in the postseason. I saw it firsthand in the Superdome four years ago in overtime. Trust me. But the Giants' defense is probably going to keep this game in check. The Giants are very difficult to run on. The Vikings could not run it on the first time. They probably won't be able to do it again. And Kirk Cousins is going to have to throw the ball 50 times. And for that reason, on the record, we're taking the Giants plus the three. This may get under the two and a half. This may move, but for the other side of reasons in which this game may right here. Tampa is going to have to, of course, ask Tom Brady and that offense to score a bunch of points. You'll notice that Dallas played Tampa early in the year. And Dallas was forced... They lost by, what, 15 or something? They kept holding Tampa to these red zone field goals. Micah Parsons is a freak on no leash. This guy is insane. He got to Brady three times in the red zone, sacked him three times. This man is ridiculous. He reminds me a lot of me, except he's more successful, taller, way stronger, better looking, and blacker. But if you take away those five things, there's really not much that's not in common with Mark Micah Parsons and I. Let's just be honest, right? But I do think this man's going to be all over the place and I do think that Tampa is going to get destroyed by a way better football team. I don't mind hanging it on Dak's shoulder and saying, Dak, you have to win it for us. I think Dak Prescott's a lot better than people say he is. I like Dak Prescott a lot as a person, and I do like him as a quarterback that can win you a Super Bowl. I do think Dak Prescott can win you a Super Bowl. I really do. And, of course, we know Tom Brady can. He's pretty good at that. But the line moving down to two and a half is because of the massive clamoring of public tickets slamming into the Tampa Bay money line and or the parlays and teasers. I was waiting for this to go under. Now we're making our move. Do not lay the two and a half points. Never lay a favorite under three. We've said this. Take the money line. But for the show, on the record, we are taking Dallas minus the two and a half points. I am extremely confident in the Cowboys going in here and kicking the shit out of this Tampa Bay team. It almost makes sense to take Tampa because they don't have any stress on them and it's a on-the-house game. That may be simple when it's Matt Hasselbeck in beast mode in Seattle, but it's a little different with Tom Brady and a team that just won a Super Bowl two years ago. So there's definitely going to be pressure on the Bucs. And Brady's not going to want to probably, I don't know, bomb out here his last game probably in Tampa. Who knows? Who cares? On the record, the no sweat bet. You won't have to sweat to make it. You might sweat a little, but I feel that Dallas gets it going early, and I feel they put this team to sleep relatively early. They'll be able to get to Brady without blitzing. They didn't have half their defense they played in the first week anyway, nor two of their starters. Uh, they didn't have CeeDee Lamb. 
And they didn't have, they had another little white kid throwing the ball around. Well, give me the darky from Mississippi State. I like Dak. Put Whitey on the bench where he belongs. On the record, give us Dallas minus the two and a half. Quick recap. Jacksonville plus the one and a half. Bad line. The Giants plus three. That's going to move. And give me the Dallas Cowboys minus the two and a half in the seventh play of the year. That's right. For the sports antidote, the se- the seventh of the year, excuse me, the eighth of the year. We are five and two in plays of the year. This probably will be the last, but I can hang my hat on this knowing I would make this bet every single time regardless. So I'm going to do it right now. It is the eighth play of the year for the show. Dallas minus the two and a half. I have a question for you. We'll have the drunk neighbor bet cleanup. But has anybody seen Bro Exotic? Are you a white person who wants a lot of credit for helping to create racial equality while you do nothing to help create racial equality? If so, that means you want to be a woke white person. So listen up, because I'm going to give you your PhD in wokeology. Bro Exotic joins the Sports Antidote. What's going on, bro? Uh, what's going on, dude? Bro Exotic, uh, Vice Pope Cow, Church of Woke. Uh, what's going on, dude? Sick. Speaking of sick, it sounds like you're sick. Uh, yeah, dude, I'm a little under the weather. Uh, caught the woke flu. Um, ever since. Okay, what what's that? Well, ever since North Dakota State <laughs> lost to South Dakota State, uh, just the thought of the state that preserves women's rights losing. Uh, this triggered kind of, an illness. It uh, it triggers the woke flu. Oh, wow. Uh, so for the is, it like, woke. is it like shingles? Can it lay dormant and then just come in when something like this happens? Well, this was just a, a horrific uh, loss for the preservation of women's rights, dude. So it's been a prolonged work flu. Bro, what was your temperature the next day after Trump won? <laughs> Probably pretty high, right? Uh, yeah, I was hospitalized, dude. It was, uh, it was pretty bad. <laughs> it was pretty bad. I couldn't join the uh, the compilation of uh, of the woke screaming on the streets. I'm sorry you had to get hospitalized for that, buddy. Yeah, um, you don't deserve that. So uh, anyway, let's talk about anything you want to discuss. Perhaps the uh, maybe something in the NFL. Uh, yeah, dude. Uh, speaking of women's rights, dude, we're uh, we're gonna have to back uh, Jacksonville plus two and a half against the Chargers. Uh, Simply because Jacksonville has the uh, the first uh, female lesbian quarterback ever, uh, Teresa Lawrence. Everyone knows this. Um, so yes, it, everyone does know that he is lesbian. But the bro, I think that's actually a guy, Trevor Lawrence. But I can see how you could be confused. Have you have you seen her? It's clearly uh, well, clearly Teresa Lawrence is a strong woman. Women's rights. Uh, true. Maybe he identifies that whole thing. I mean, who am I to say that? But you're right. He could be Teresa. Who knows? I don't know why you keep saying he, dude. It's kind of triggering. Uh, <laughs> pretty much pretty much just disrespecting the, the chosen pronouns of Teresa Lawrence. Uh, respect her. Res- respect her women's rights uh, or, or face cancellation. Uh, <laughs> this, will be, this will be the last time I tell you this. Everyone knows this. Uh, <laughs> well, bro, let's, let's look ahead. Uh, you know, if indeed the 
And I'm already seeing this. This could potentially happen. Bro, are you aware the Kansas City Chiefs have still not changed their name as it appropriates still to the Native American culture? Oh, I've already aligned the panel. That's a preemptive cancel. <laughs> so you've gotten <laughs> so you got the boys in line right now, right? Oh yeah, dude. Uh, that's uh, preemptive a preemptive cancel? Yeah, dude. The first round buys do not make you impervious to cancellation. This is like a minority report thing. A minority yeah. report cancellation. Wow. Yeah, dude. Who so we just uh we're gonna we're gonna cancel them for uh they haven't even played yet, dude. So we're we're just we're we're just getting uh we're getting that set up. It's it's just <laughs> gonna be it's gonna be a bloodbath cancellation uh women's rights. Bro Exotic said that we have the panel already assembled for a preemptive cancellation. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that, bro. So uh, well, look, man, you're feeling a little under the weather, but thanks for jumping on the pod here. Go Jacksonville. And uh, anything you want to close with? Uh, yeah, dude, no jokes, stay woke. Uh, women's rights. Everyone knows this. And uh, <laughs> we'll see you next week, bro. Women's rights. Yeah, bro. See you next week, bro. <laughs>
they kind of fan out a yeah. little bit. Uh, Stingley was a great example of that. Uh, there, there's a, a ton. Uh, oh, Keishon Boutte, who is <sighs> no longer going to be an LSU Tiger. And while I was excited when he said he's, he came back, this whole back and forth thing, good. Just yeah. get out. Yeah. Because enough is enough, and yes... How many texts did I get? Oh, sex parties at LSU or during the uh, <laughs> SEC championship. I don't think that is what happened. Me neither. Uh, I think he has not been going to class. Uh, and he was basically saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to the pros. I'm going to the pros. And then when he said he's coming back, um, people said that, you know, his grades weren't good. And he was getting suspended for the bowl game and basically said, I'm out. So that is not sourced. That is just a lot of hearsay. But... I think you can put the pieces together. What I don't think it is, is what some of the idiots in this fan base are saying is that, well, when Jaden Daniels said he's coming back, he decided to leave. Get out of here. Just get out. (laughs) You know, as we sit here and we look at the demolishing of TCU in this game, you know, what you can put together the last few years, national championship quarterbacks are guys that have been with the program for a while. There are guys that have been are fifth year seniors. Stetson Bennett two years in a row. Uh, before that, it was talking about quarterbacks. Yes, I should have this. I mean, well, are you dating back in the SEC? Or yes, the Tebow. Year, well, well, he I wasn't mean, a senior. He was. One of those years. No, uh, but you know you had guys that have been experienced before, and even Joe Burrow um, with LSU. That was two years. Sorry, I was trying to talk about Bryce Pet Bryce Petty when oh, they okay. won the national title. Had been there the year before. It's guys that have been there with the system and have continued to play. So that's why I think LSU is in a great position with Jaden Daniels going forward. I I I don't like to say that you know oh talk bad about Nussmeier because I think. It's best for everybody for at LSU if he continues to get better and push Jaden Daniels. But I just don't think he puts them in that best position to win. And what he did during that um, Purdue game is he looked really good. He had some great passes. But then he did the one thing that you're always worried about him doing, and that's turning the football over. And that's one thing Jaden Daniels doesn't do. Um, he controls the football when you have the defense that I think LSU is going to have next year. And also the running game that I think is only going to get better. They're having offensive line that's coming back. I mean, I, there's a lot to look forward to with LSU next year. And I'm, I, for one, am very excited about it. Um, one of the things that we are going to have to talk about is quarterback depth. Because now <laughs> uh, the, the big worry throughout the entire process has been that, you know, Nussmeier is going to leave and he's going to be gone. And I was watching that LSU game, and I thought Nussmeier, like I said, looked pretty good. And I saw Walker Howard come out, and I was like, yeah, I mean, it, granted, he's playing with not the same group that Nuss or Jaden right. were playing with, but against a Purdue team that had been basically in tears on the sideline, they've been getting their shit pushed in yeah, all afternoon. And, you know, I was like, this is why Nuss is going to transfer? I, I'm not saying that he's a bad quarterback, but he's obviously very talented. He's like a four-star, five-star, whatever. We can't ever agree on that. But the fact that like everyone was just like, oh, well, he's the, you know, Nuss is going to leave. And now we find out Walker Howard has entered the transfer portal. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, Walker Howard, he was a freshman, right? Yes. Yeah, so he was one of the 
one of the guys on the depth chart, um, pretty uh, very highly recruited, uh, if yep. I remember correctly. And then it looks like I saw some rumors about Florida, and you saw that he may end up maybe with TCU or, or some maybe just out out the SEC altogether. Yeah, there's a lot of discussion. So rumors. His um, best friend and his old teammate Jack Besh decided to go to <laughs> TCU and has not taken an opportunity not to complain about the opportunity he had at LSU. Uh, which I guess <laughs> fell off his face against Tennessee, bounced off his hands against Florida, and just he, the guy just had a terrible year yeah. and wants to blame everybody but himself. Yeah. So to that I say good riddance to him. But apparently he's been trying to get him to go over to TCU now, which I consider tampering. But I don't know if that's where he's going to go. Um, supposedly the TCU quarterback, um, that who's the guy that started this year? Duggan. Duggan was not originally even the starter. No, so he wasn't. there's also there's a guy there that's already, you know, set to be the starter and um, you know, people have said Georgia, but they have enough five stars on that roster. You know, I've I've heard Auburn, uh, which if that happens, Ugh. that is absolutely tampering. We've already lost uh Tolan to them because they're uh yeah, Tolan the linebacker who was going to play, which is it, it's just I don't understand why he goes to Auburn. Uh but we'll go we could talk about that later whenever we're previewing next year but the entire idea the idea that walker howard is going to find a better opportunity i i don't know where he thinks he's going to go to where he just doesn't have to compete yeah like the i think the idea was that he was always going to sit this year and then was going to be able to compete next year but i mean he obviously hasn't taken that step to where it's going to be set for that so basically what he him leaving and and you know what i am going to say he's afraid of the competition and gets nuts because if he's leaving because of that like he's been basically set up to be the heir apparent. I know guys don't always want to wait around and, you know, people are like, oh, well, you don't like this train. I, I like the transfer portal fine. I just don't understand it when a guy leaves after his freshman year whenever he's been given opportunities and to, to at least, you know, play in a bowl game and is maybe not going to start next year but may have an opportunity. You never know, especially in college football when you have Jaden Daniels who does scramble, when you have Nussmeyer oh, who is a gunslinger. So I don't understand that. And if not, if he wasn't going to play next year, he's got a year after that. So wherever he's going to go, he's going to have to compete. So I, I don't understand that. So, no, I don't dislike the transfer portal, but I do dislike freshman quarterbacks transferring out if they don't have a guaranteed job their, senior, their sophomore year. People are like, oh, well, the greatest quarterback of all time at LSU is – uh, transfer. Yeah, that's true. After three years, three, three springs, yeah. he decided to leave. So I, I don't understand the connection there. And people always like, oh, the transfer portal works for all these other guys. Yeah, maybe. Caleb Williams won the the Heisman this past year, but he didn't leave to run away from competition. He ran and followed his coach. You know, Bryce Petty didn't leave when he didn't start his first year. A lot of these guys don't just like Stetson Bennett, the guy you're seeing winning the national title, had to get lost to team. And I know that's not the mentality anymore. I get it. Like, I know that, and that's why we like Stetson Bennett, because that's college football to us. That's what we grew up with. Yeah. But I really have a problem with Walker Coward and the fact that he's leaving <laughs> LSU because of this. And I, I just, I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't like it. And I am ready. Um, I'm ready for... You know this type of thing to go away from college football, and and if it do, is Auburn, I want a tampering investigation, and if it is Florida, well then you know enjoy it, pal, because you're gonna have one year of Napier, and then whoever wants that job after that, go ahead and take it. 
Walker oh, Cat. and by the way, you're going to have to compete with Mertz from Wisconsin. And supposedly, just to go around the SEC real quick, Florida's five-star quarterback, Rahid something, uh, is trying to renege his... Uh, renege, sorry. Renege, it's, renege you know, his, his uh, letter of intent to Florida. So that's going to be very interesting. Five-star quarterback... Pulling out. Mertz is going. Mertz is looking to go to Florida. I he signed with Florida. I did not know that. <clears throat> I think the guys actually have. He. It's tough to be good at quarterback when you're at Wisconsin. Yes. They put true. you in the worst spots no, possible. No doubt about so, it. So yeah, he. I saw him make some. We, we, you and I were watching the Washington State game earlier yes. in the year. He had a couple dimes until they just started running it sixty three times again. Yeah. <laughs> and did you see they already got that the Cincinnati uh, Cincinnati's coach that went up there? Uh, God damn it! What's Pickle. His name? Pick, yeah, they already got like a four star. Transfer. They got it. They they already have a four star going to Wisconsin, and it's been two weeks. So people thought that was a bad move. They're insane. <laughs> like, yeah, that no, is a great I, move. I think that's going to be a good move for him, especially with you know Harbaugh's future being up in the air. I don't know Ooh, what he's going to do. Ryan Day. I mean, uh, that'll be interesting how Ohio State continues to go there because uh, I mean we basically watched the national title when those two teams played. Yeah. Um, and you know, Michigan. That was an embarrassment. And if I'm them, it's starting to feel like the Lane Kiffin thing, it where is. it's like every year you're just going to go out and start looking at NFL yeah. jobs. Like, <laughs> get out of here. You know, like we need a decision now. Granted, they did cut his salary at a certain point and were threatening that he was going to get fired for a while. So I do understand back and forth. But when it comes to recruiting in this day and age, you need a guy um, that you that's going to be around, yeah. actually. So, yeah, you need bandwidth there. And, and I want to say one more thing about this, um, back to the Jaden Daniels thing. We have the stupidest fan base in all of college football <laughs> because they're complaining that Jaden Daniels is coming back, a guy oh that threw God. for almost 3,000 yards, a guy that ran for over 1,000 yards, a guy that has been like has continued to improve and has never complained about his offensive line whenever he was getting running for his life at the beginning of the year while these freshmen were adjusting. And this is an Im- impatient fan base, too. So we need the guy that's going to win the most at the fastest. And if Brian Kelly wants to keep his job and continue to like build the program here, he needs to win games this upcoming year. That's why he's going with Jaden Daniels. So the people that are like, well, they should have told him to just go pro or whatever. It's like, well, then you would have either Nuss or Walker Howard, which it very clearly looks like it would have been Nuss, starting and, you know, are you going to have the same I don't think so. No. I just don't. And um, they're going to have to go in the portal and get some depth at that position because they're not just going to be able to run with um, Nuss and the freshman Ricky Collins next year as the backup. So it'll be interesting to see what they do there. I know there's going to be a lot of movement after spring. So um, just we'll uh, we'll keep you posted here on the sports antidote. About yeah, we certainly will. Appreciate that. Drunk neighbor, especially uh, Walker Coward. <laughs> That's yeah, that's away. his name for now on. I like how you said that, undaunted, just right through it. Didn't laugh at your own joke, and I, I would have laughed at my own joke. But real quick, last minute here, I do want to. We're talking about the coaching carousel. This has nothing to do with anything, but I was reading yesterday and saw something on the radio that McVay is now like on the hot seat for the Rams. Did you like read anything about this? I read into it, and it's actually a real thing. And if that is true, that is pretty scary, being as where they just won the Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, so two years ago, and I, I just threw that on you. I just didn't know if you had seen it. No, no, no. It. So my understanding of this is that it is um, he actually got offered $100 million at the end of last year by Amazon Prime to be um, on their Thursday night broadcasts. So the idea is that he's not necessarily wow. on the hot seat, 
but that he may want to go into announcing and take some take a break from football for a while. Oh. And that is why a lot of people are speculating that maybe the um, Sean Payton may want to go over there. <laughs> Uh, Sean right. Payton has been dangled for everybody. Oh, it feels yeah. like uh, oh, yeah. it feels like Alex Bregman at the beginning of his career, <laughs> where every trade that the Astros were in, they were talking about when he was a minor leaguer, yeah. mind you. Uh, and so it, that's a weird situation. And by the way, the Saints, boy, you picked a good team. Good time to stop watching. I still continued to watch. I was just <laughs> able to separate the way I cannot with LSU, uh, my emotions with it. So it was an absolute disaster. It's going to continue to be an absolute disaster. And I think that we need to discuss about how maybe we change this never watch the Saints again to not until Dennis Allen gets back. And then that'll be a couple of years. You'll have some time to grow as a man and a as idea. an individual and kind of – because then you don't want to – eliminate all the things that make you happy and i'm not saying other things but like the saints is a thing that we all come together as a community to watch maybe next year we just watch them and say you know what we don't really care what happens let's just watch andy dalton just go down with this ship tank maybe go after this caleb williams a year after that it's possible but i'm very curious to what do you think that the saints are going to be able to get for sean payton in a trade uh, the way that it's looking now, I saw as high as like two, one, I don't know if it was true, two, a couple second round picks or something like that. And I mean, that's that's pretty serious uh, this day and age. I have really don't, don't have a clue, but I do think if you're apples to apples, I think that's worth your first round pick. I, I would think so. Depending you're going to start winning are. probably pretty quickly. Depending on where you are and right. what you already have. So uh, I think the one that makes a lot of sense, do you mind if I talk about no, that for is the Texans because they have two first round picks, Lovey. He's gone. He's a great coach. <laughs> Lovey Smith, unquestionably a great coach. The only guy I know that can fail upwards. It's but, great. You know, however you want to look at that. But um, one of the things is that they have that second pick, which Lovey purposely made sure that they didn't get that first pick. What That's an awesome. asshole. And then the 12th, <laughs> and I think the 11th or 12th pick. So they would be able to trade that 11th pick for Sean Payton, um, which would be, I mean, great. I, I still don't know who the Saints would draft there. I. C.J. Stroud is probably going, and I don't know if you want to try yeah. Will Levis there. And I don't know if it would be fair to any quarterback to get drafted with the current staff that the Saints have, but yeah. that's just my opinion. Uh, there's also a lot of talk about the Broncos. They traded they traded back into the draft now that because um, they had traded everything. They basically had the Ricky Williams trade for <laughs> Russell Wilson. They did. Uh, so the Broncos, I know people are saying that the Chargers job could possibly come open. Cardinals, they've talked to them. Would he want to coach Kyler Murray? That would be interesting. Not. He's used to coaching midget quarterbacks, so maybe he would like that. But <laughs> either way, uh, I just uh, – that, that, that whole – I think that this whole they're going to get a first round is uh, – it's probably not. It's like a first offer type yeah, of thing. Yeah, I don't think they're actually going to get that. So I hope I, that wasn't too boring of content. No, no. I, I, I think everybody follows the NFL. I mean, Sean Payton, we've talked about this a while ago. If Sean Payton were to leave at any point, he would be the most sought-after free agent head coach in a long time. Yeah. It'd be up there with like an Andy Reid. I mean, the guy's won 64% of his game. I mean, that's a lot, you know? Yeah. I mean, they lived in the playoffs, so he's a good. We don't. I don't like him. You really don't like him. He's a good coach, right? Just yeah. like we don't like Breeze. Pretty good quarterback, right? So... But and yeah, by the way, one last thing I'd like to say is I would not mind if the Saints did get in the first round and they took something other than a quarterback this year. Yeah. I don't think that they're going to be able to get Bryce Young or Stroud. And 
I don't know. I really like Stroud. I think he's a, the best quarterback prospect. Yeah. I don't know about Bryce Young. I, I think he – watching that Kansas State game, he made some throws that were just yeah, 10 out of 10. Yeah. There's NFL quarterbacks that can't make the throws. It was unbelievable. Yeah, Will Levis looks look looks the part – Looks like Tarzan plays like Jane. You know, like, <laughs> just not that good. So what I would say is if they hold on to that second second round pick, Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. I love that guy. Having an opportunity for him to come in and let Andy Dalton be the Alex Smith to him and let him walk behind him, I would be very much okay with that. I'd feel even better about it if we had a new offensive coordinator and a better head coach that was running this team. Yeah. But I uh, you have the receivers. I, I mean, a lot of these rookie of the year, yeah. thousand yards. I yeah. mean, you know. So I I like Hendon Hooker. I think he got robbed of the Heisman, and I think he's an older, more mature guy that can walk right into your locker room and be a leader. So I, I can't agree with you more. And I, I, I think going down that late in the season and you getting scratched off the Heisman list just makes that award even more stupid to me. I could talk uh, about this for an hour. Yeah, we'll, I we'll, get too fired up because it's so ridiculous. We'll, because we'll, Caleb we'll Williams up, was man. fine. He's fine. He's good. Sure. Sure. He's good. He's the Joe Montana. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally get it, man. Well, Drug Neighbor, thanks for jumping on the show. I know you have a call coming up here. Always a pleasure. Welcome home. Yeah, now that you're done wintering in Michigan. <laughs> I froze my ass off. And I was in Columbus, Ohio, and Effingham, Illinois. I bounced all over this great Midwest. Uh, I can't, I'm so happy to be home. And next time we do this, I'm going to do this with a few more beers in me. And we're really going to talk about Walker Coward. I like it. We'll see you then, buddy. All right. Thanks for joining the Sports Antelope, episode number 134, the No Sweat Bet, 82, 68, and 1. Very proud record we have here after the terrible start. Thanks to the drunk neighbor for coming on and blessing us with his guidance in life and with LSU and with many other things. And thanks to Bro Exotic for coming on. Teresa Lawrence, does it get much better than that? The answer is no. We'll have Tommy Bench on next week. Be sure and rate, subscribe, and review. Follow us on Instagram at the Sports and Load and reach out and touch a brother and tell somebody about the Sports Antidote today.